Hey, the word that I'm going to be bringing today as we uh, come almost to the conclusion of our series on positively is that today we're going to be talking about being positively united. Would you say united? United. Listen, God hates division. And for all of you that hate math like me, you're going, oh, yes, I knew that he hated division. He probably hates multiplication, all forms of calculus, and maybe geometry as well. Just kidding. But God hates division. I mean, we see it over and over through his word that where people are set against people. That it, I, I believe that it both angers God and it breaks his heart because it violates Nature It violates the very nature that he created all the way back in the Garden of Eden where man and woman came together in diversity, made one, and walked with God in perfect unity. And sin destroys that. And so often sin manifests itself, shows itself through division, people setting themselves against other people. And this year, 2020, I think we've seen more division, at least in our lifetimes, than we've ever seen before. I'm sure that those who have experienced world wars and other kinds of things would say, yeah, we, we've felt the same in our lifetimes. But for our lifetimes, 2020 has been a year, I think, marked by painful division. We've seen polit uh, political division, of course, as, as parties have just been at war with each other. Right? We've seen racial division where those of different ethnicities and skin colors have, have, have just have really been divided more than unified. And we've seen people divided even over scientific things about what's the best way to get after just, you know, eliminating COVID-19. We've seen people divided over strategies, economic strategies, how we would get our economy uh, started again. We've seen so much division. And, and at the same time, I think what makes it so painful is that we've experienced so much physical division. Even these six-foot you know, parameters that have been established to help us stay healthy in the midst of a global pandemic. So not only are we seeing all of this kind of existential division, but we're literally feeling it. Like we're, there's this tangible division as well. And it has been very, very difficult. This hasn't just impacted the world around us. This has impacted our homes. And at times, even the world of the church and, and our church too. The Apostle Paul echoed God's hatred for division. In fact, it was in Galatians 5, where if you go and read about in the middle of the chapter, he's listing all of these things that are, he says, are the obvious works of the flesh. Things that are like the complete opposite of walking in the Spirit of God. And he says that divisions are an obvious work of the flesh. In fact, he goes on at the conclusion of that list and said, people who are behaving this way will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because God hates division. In fact, in Titus chapter 3, verse 10, listen to what he wrote. He says this, he says, if people are causing divisions among you, give them 
a warning, right? Give, give a first and a second warning. After that, have nothing to do with them. Wow. I mean, we're, we're like to actually like warn people who are being divisive. And after we warn them a couple times, it says, hey, step back. You right? Just get away because that is a divisive person. And they're not, they're not working towards unity. They're not working towards anything that is going to bring about the kingdom of God. They're actually working against it. Now, in the book of Philippians that we're, we've been studying, the Apostle Paul gets right after this in, in a pretty demonstrative and powerful way. I want you to look at a couple of verses with me. It's, the first one is Philippians 1.27, and then just following a few verses later, uh, chapter 2, verse 2. He says this. He says, whatever happens... Do you remember this verse? This was the verse we started with at the beginning of this series. Now we're returning to it. Philippians 1.27, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know, listen to this, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. And then a few verses later, he goes on and says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Now, when we talk about being positively united, what we're not talking about here is like some sort of a group think mentality where we all have to think the exact same things about everything. That's actually not at all what scripture uh, teaches or what it shows us. In fact, I would say that people that are kind of trapped into that mentality where like we all have to think exactly the same way, that's not the church. That would be a cult uh, because we don't all think the same. We come from a whole variety of expressions and even faith traditions. And, and I think that's actually something that makes us stronger as a church. Like any other kind of healthy organization, we need diversity. I think one of the beautiful things about diversity is that like, I'm going to see things with my perspective, right, from my angle, based on how I was brought up, how I was raised, all my life experiences, things I've learned along the way, I'm going to see things from Tim's perspective. But when I allow you to come alongside me and we walk together as the church, guess what? You're going to see things from your perspective. And when, when you share those, those don't diminish my perspective. They enhance my perspective. We are better together as we walk together, positively united. Now, I love what it says in Ecclesiastes as Solomon wrote these words, famous words um, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse 9. He says this, he says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. 
But how can one keep warm alone? Though one be, may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And right there, I mean, he uh, drops this image into our minds, and it's of that, that, that rope or that cable that is woven together of different strands. And a three-strand cord is not like the strength of, of, of three, you know, one plus one plus one, and just the, the total of those. No, when they're woven together, there's actually this amazing thing that happens, that there is an exponential strength that comes as those cords are united together. And I think that is such a beautiful picture of the church. And if a three-strand cord is strong when it's united together, what happens when all of us become united and walk together in unity? Let me show you a picture, uh, and it's of one of those huge cables that is used to suspend the Golden Gate Bridge. And you can imagine just how heavy the Golden Gate Bridge is. This picture is a cross-section of one of those giant cables. This cable is over three feet across, and it is made up, check it out, of over 27,000 separate strands. But man, when those are woven together, the strength that is there, wow, man, it's spanned generations. And I think is going to stand a long time into the future. There is strength in numbers. We are better when we're walking together in unity and when we're not walking in division. This is a picture of what the church should be like. So Paul is not calling us to some sort of, like I said, like a group think where we're all supposed to kind of think the exact same way. Paul is calling us to stand together in unity for what matters. And this is what he said in Philippians 1.27. He said, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, listen, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Now listen to these words. Standing firm as one. Striving together as one. And then in verse two, uh, two of chapter two, he goes on and says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. One love, one spirit, one mind. I mean, he is like just hammering on this. We are to be united, positively united when it comes to Jesus. Do you hear what he said? He said, this is about the gospel. This is about standing as one not for my ideology, not for a political party, not for anything other than the good news of Jesus. With everything that we have within us, we're to stand together around the cause of the gospel, that Jesus came and he paid a price that I could never pay to give me a gift that I could never earn or deserve on my own, and it's the gift of life. It's the gift of forgiveness. It's the gift of, 
of restoration of my soul and brought me into relationship with him. And I am not going to let anything stand in the way of allowing other people to experience the radical, beautiful, transforming work of the gospel, including division. We cannot allow division to get in the way of us being Jesus' gospel people. And unity, he says, is an important way to show that we are people that have been impacted by the gospel. You remember how just that, that little section started right there in verse 27? Because right before Paul said to be united, he said this. He said, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. No matter what happens. And friends, like I said, in this year, 2020, we've seen a lot happening that would cause us to want to be divided against each other. But Paul, like knowing that this was coming, says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. And then he goes on and says, standing as one, striving together as one for the sake of the gospel. See, walking in unity shows that our lives have been impacted by the good news of Jesus. We've been, we've been impacted by, by God himself, and now we get to reflect God himself. And guess what? God is one. I mean, do you remember the words of Jesus that he was echoing from the Old Testament where he says, Hear, O Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit working in mysterious and powerful unity as each one doesn't give up its own distinction but uniquely manifests the way that God's redemptive purpose and mission is to be accomplished. And it's to be accomplished when the three are one. We call it the Trinity that God is one, and guess what? When we're walking in a manner worthy of God himself, a manner worthy of the gospel, we are going to reflect that same kind of unity. What, what does it look like if we're walking in a manner unworthy of the gospel? It's where that begins to fragment and break apart, and the very power of the gospel that has impacted our stories the forgiveness, the healing, the restoration that has been taking place isn't reflected in our humanity one to another. And God says, that should never be. We need to walk in a way that is worthy of the gospel. And that's by walking together united. Not even agreeing necessarily on everything, but when it comes to the good news of Jesus, we walk in complete agreement. So how do we do this? How do we get after being positively united? Well, a couple of chapters later, in the beginning of chapter four, Paul kind of gives us an example of what it looks like when people are not walking united, and then like maybe how to get after that. And so he talks about two ladies 
Sorry, ladies. And uh, I, I, man, I feel terrible for, for these two ladies. They have, both have very unique names. Too bad their names weren't Mary and Elizabeth or Sarah and Rebecca because then we wouldn't know who they are when we get to heaven. But when we get to heaven, I believe we're going to be meeting these two ladies and everybody's going to know, oh, that was you. You were not walking in unity and uh, Paul had to get after you. And we read about these two ladies and, and listen to Paul's words because he is pleading with them in Christ for unity. It's Philippians 4, verses 2 and 3. And Paul says, he says, I plead with Eudia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Uh-oh. So here's these two ladies with unusual names, Yudia and Sintik, and they are not walking in unity. And so Paul is getting after them. Then he says this. He says, yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women. They need help, and I am asking you to help them. Since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. See, what Paul is saying here is that these women, these are like true contenders for the faith. I mean, these are people, he uses words that like they're co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. These are women of faith. These are women who have been impacted with the gospel. And we don't know what their story was. We don't know what divided them. But here's what we do know. They were walking in such tension and division that they were no longer able to serve alongside each other for the sake of the gospel. And so Paul pleads with them, be in the same mind in the Lord. And then he turns to us. He turns to the church and says, hey, when you see division happening between brothers and sisters in the Lord, or brothers and brothers, or like in this case, sisters and sisters, help them. So first, Paul pleads for these women, set aside your differences and come to agreement in the Lord. Again, this is about the gospel, right? Not about who cooks better, not about how you raise your kids, not about which political party that you're affiliated with. This is about the gospel, come to agreement in the Lord. We're not gonna agree on every matter. We're going to see things differently, but when it comes to Jesus, we're to be united. And then he asks us, he turns to us and says, help these women. In other words, see, see where there's division. See where there's division and step in. You are authorized by the Holy Spirit and I believe empowered by the Spirit to help people walk into unity. And it may be as simple as getting people together for coffee and saying, hey, I think we need to sit down and talk about what's going on. Maybe the issues are really significant and maybe there needs to be like seeking out some leaders or, you know, or others, so people of wisdom who can really come alongside and and, and bring maybe some extra help when people are at need. I'll tell you what, there are, there's division that happens even within our church family that I don't see. I'm just one guy. But God will give you perception. 
to see where maybe there's a fraction, where there's division happening. And God says, step into that. Don't be afraid to step in to bring help. And if you need to bring a leader along with you, feel free to do it. But you are empowered. Step in and bring help. See, I believe what God is saying is that we can't just sit back when we see division happening and just say, well, it's somebody else's problem. I guess it's their problem. No, what what we're seeing from the heart of God is that it's our problem. Whether it's happening in our home where husband and wife are at odds with each other and there's division happening in a marriage, we gotta take action. And I don't know whether it's gonna be the wife that starts by taking action or the husband. I know in my experience, usually it's Kelly who has said, hey, we're not seeing eye to eye. We need others to step in and help. Who's gonna be the brave one among the two of you in your marriage to reach out and to seek help? Maybe it's division between parent and child. And I tell you, I think that there's probably nothing greater that breaks the heart of a parent when there's division between you and your children. But you need to know that breaks God's heart as well. But he has the power to bring people together. Maybe it's friend set against friend. Who is going to come alongside to work towards unity? Maybe it's happening in your workspace or with friends at school. How is God going to use you to be a unifier? Someone who will work and take steps to help people who are in division. I'm going to close with this scripture. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Something else that Paul said about division and unity. He says this. He says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Make every effort. In other words, Paul is acknowledging this is hard work. Because sin is in our world and sin is in our hearts, it drives us apart from each other. It is a natural human tendency. Like Paul said in Galatians chapter five, it's an obvious work of my flesh. But the work of the spirit is unity. And he says we are to make every effort. Now, I don't know what that's gonna look like in your case. Like I said, if you're being divided in your marriage, what's it gonna look like to take every measure, to make every effort to again see unity come where there's been division or within other family relationships? in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in our community or in the world. I believe that God is gonna raise up people who are going to be unifiers in his name as we would bind people together with the gospel of peace. Let's pray. Lord, even as we would talk about division, I know that Stories will emerge in people's hearts and minds. Stories that are so very painful.
I have a couple of my own that I've been thinking about this week. Because division, (laughs) it's the work of the enemy and it is always painful. It is always meant for our destruction. And so Lord, to those who have experienced the pain of division, and we all have to some extent, God, I pray right now, Father, for peace to come. Lord, where there is active division, Lord, I pray, Lord, that people would be bold and would say, I'm gonna make every effort to see unity come again. And Lord, where maybe there was division that happened so long ago that there's maybe not even the hope for there to be a a new unity. Maybe one of the persons has even passed away. Lord, I know that you can bring peace to people's hearts that have experienced the pain of division. And so God, I ask for that right now, right now. Lord, for your healing power, for your grace, your mercy, your power, and your love to just be poured out to bring healing, to bring a unified soul as well as unified relationships in Jesus' name. And friends, maybe you're experiencing something even more painful and that is separation and division from God himself. But praise Jesus for Jesus. Thank God that he had made a way through Jesus coming to earth. What we're celebrating this coming month in December around Christmas, the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the one who could make right everything that is broken and wrong. And so I just ask you right now, if you know that you are separated from God, would you cry out to him right wherever you are, whether you're physically present on this campus or you're somewhere else in our city or even around the world, cry out to Jesus. The promise is, the promise from his word is that all who cry out to him will be found. He is listening for your voice right now to cry out to him. If you're online right now, guess what? We have online pastors who are there on Facebook and on YouTube and all you need to do is in the comments, to say, I'm saying yes to Jesus. And they're gonna reach out to you. They're gonna be praying for you by name right now. They're also gonna offer you some resources so that you can start to grow in this relationship with him today. Church, you are loved. And man, I, I know that God is doing a good work in you and in us as we are positively united around the gospel. I'm gonna be praying for you this week. Please come back, join us again next week. Got a great Christmas message to begin really stepping further into the Christmas season. You're loved.